We are on a mission. A mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast, you'll get actionable business advice. Hear stories from industry leaders. And share a laugh or two with us. Fuel your passion for pharmacy. One conversation at a time. Four. Three. Two. One. Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Key, president of Pioneer X, and today I'm sitting by my co-host, Marsha. Hi, I'm the director of marketing, Marsha Bevins. Today, our guest is Richie Ray. He is the owner of Richie's Specialty Pharmacy in Conroe, Texas. I, I am sad to say that when I lived in the area, I never went into your pharmacy, but I was only there for like less than two years. And where we were you? You lived in Conroe? Well, we lived, we got a rental in the woodlands and then we were like, okay, our daughter starts kindergarten. We probably need to find a house and go like, this is where we're going to be. So we found um, a spec home sitting in uh, Walden in a Montgomery, like Conroe area. And we bought a house up there. And that's where we lived. And then then after one year, Mark said, we're moving to Dallas. And I'm like, no. Yay. She but cried. There was, a, there was a tantrum. There was a slight tantrum. Two of my daughters are in Dallas. And actually, my wife's up there moving one of them in right now, along with our two boys as well. So she is in Dallas right now. Wow. Oh, how did they fare out with the recent uh, rain and floods that Dallas had? She is, Reagan is in culinary school and she it lives in the Jordan that's right by the Ritz Carlton there. Okay. Which is easy for me to come up and stay at the Ritz and then see her. So it was, Put it was fine. The they didn't have any I issues. Knew that was coming. Dun, 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 dun. So you live in the woodlands though. Okay. So. Hold on, hold on. I'm, 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 I'm interested in the, the, the girls. You got one girl in culinary school. Yeah. Where's the other okay, one Where's the to? other? Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting story. So I grew up in East Texas in Longview. Um, went okay. to pre-pharmacy school up in Arkansas at Harding, came back for pharmacy school in Houston, graduated, worked locally for a guy for about three years, uh, opened our own store. Uh, it was opened a month after my oldest daughter was born. So she's 22. Um, we have 22, 21 and 19-year-old daughters. Wow. Whenever the youngest was about to leave, uh, my wife, great mom, uh, and she goes, you know, I still feel We've got a lot to give as parents. And, you know, I'm closing in on 50 next year. We adopted two little boys right before COVID. And so now oh, our wow. age dynamic are 22, 21, 19, and two and a half times two. Oh, my gosh. So it's a it's a busy time at the Ray household. Nice. Oh, sounds like it. Okay, though, where did your other, the, you said you're moving a daughter in. Is this the one going to culinary Correct. school? One going to culinary school, one is elected to uh, do some stuff with Paul Mitchell and uh, anesthetics or aesthetics. And then the other graduated valedictorian from Abilene Christian, and she works in a nonprofit uh, in Abilene. I'd rather come back a little closer. Abilene, you know, far west Texas, a little bit further away than oh, that. Yeah. Like. yeah. And and like I grew up in West Texas and I'm very happy I got out and no desire to ever yes. go back. Abilene's yes, college town, though. It's not. No. No? No. It, it's an Air Force town that you've got Dias Air Force Base um, and Abilene Christian there, but it right. it's not the college town like Texas Bill, Tech yeah. or A and M. How in. big is Abilene no. Christian? It's probably. What do you think it was? Probably it's about maybe um, eighty thousand, maybe around a hundred, maybe somewhere in there now. Uh, yeah, I'd, really, I'd say that's a big around, college. It's really not. No, Mm-mm. that's really no. no it's no. really not. They squeeze into D one barely. So, so why mm-hmm. Abilene Christian over Harding? Um, Harding's more conservative, you know, Harding, they came in and checked and they had the white gloves and do you have dust on there? And there was a little tighter, they run a tighter ship that okay. dad was fine with and daughter needed a little more daughter, freedom. Eh, she was okay with tight. Maybe not that tight. Gotcha. Yeah. Abilene Christian is, is, is conservative. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 It well, is, no, is, but Harding, he's saying is, is more conservative. Is oh, military. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. His borderline yeah. military. Yeah. 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 They run a tight ship there. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So Woodlands, Did, one of the things I miss about the Woodlands um, is Hubble and Hudson still a thing there. Uh, it is. So the guy that was the chef there now bought it and it's pivoted. So it's still there. Um, the guy, Austin uh, Simmons, that runs it still 
at it. They retweaked it a little bit to, okay. to kind of change the style, the dynamics. So the restaurant's still there, but it pivoted a bit on the restaurant part. Gotcha. Yeah, because when I was living there, they had just opened up the one on Research Boulevard. Right. The, the full the full restaurant restaurant. And right. I really enjoyed going to lunch there. Um, yeah, we had lived in the Woodlands up until a year ago, moved out to Montgomery. So now about 15 minutes from the pharmacy, but on 62 acres. And oh, so now wow. the, boy, the boys have room to run, which is good. There's, do, do you have a dog, a... Richie? Uh, unfortunately, yes. Yeah, what's his name? I had Leo. Leo, okay. That we, much we, we, we kept saying Richie Rich this morning. Do, well, you know what? No, the trivia here. Saying, what's what's Richie Rich's dog's he name? Uh, Dollar. Yay! See? All right. What is yes. Richie Rich's girlfriend's name? Oh. I can't remember. What's your wife's name? Cece. Oh, Cece. Yeah, Richie Rich's wife, uh, girlfriend's name was Gloria. Gloria. See, I can remember that, but I did remember Dollar. Very good. We're starting off with a bang. That's it. <laughs> I would like to know even briefly about your history of Pioneer and the like and how it came about. So that would be, at least from a from my perspective, would be okay. super informative. Oh, just kind of the background of Pioneer? You, I mean, your history. I love learning from people. And so just the history of what got you from where you're at what, to where what? you are now. Pioneers started with you. Yeah. So um, out of college, degree in, in um, engineering, worked in the insurance industry, um, uh, business interruption, that kind of uh, solving problems. Um, moved to a focus in more software. Actually uh, had a, uh, a focus at one point where I was training people on software, helping develop companies on how to build software. And I was... Uh, Morrison Dixon at the time, who had a software company called New Tech Computer Systems, uh, brought me in. They had tried to build a new pharmacy system twice and had just kind of flubbed it twice. And they were on their third attempt and they were like, hey, can you come in and tell us how to do this? And um, after listening to me tell them how to do it, they finally said, hey, can you just do this? Can you just build it for us? And I'd been uh, reading Good to Great and kind of all into myself, I guess, or all into victory or whatever. And, it, you know, it really said, you know, I don't want to just build a pharmacy system. If y'all want to have one, I mean, if you're really putting your money behind having the best in the country and you're really going to just keep money pouring in to build the number one system and you really want to build something great, then then I'm in and we'll do it. And they they said yes to that. And, and we started building a pharmacy system. And that was 12 years ago, 14 years ago. Mm-mm, 15 longer. years ago. I've been here 15 yeah. years and you've got at least a little over a year. On so me. now we're about 6,000 <laughs> pharmacy systems and mm-hmm. number one pharmacy system in the country by pretty much all measures. And, um, got lucky that we got a lot of smart pharmacists on the platform fairly early and, and, um, did a good job of listening and, um, putting their ideas in the, in there and trying to dig past how they wanted to do something to what they really were trying to do. And um, so and it's been fun. And now we have That's a lot good. of really like smart it. people on the platform and, and, and uh, hoping we're making a difference <clears throat> in pharmacy. And I think, I think we are. So that's, that's kind of something. So like how did, it. how did you get into pharmacy? You know, having, or, or having your own. I, yeah, I grew up in, in Longview. I had no work ethic. When I was young and probably when I was about 16, my dad got a, sufficiently annoyed with a lack of work ethic. And he goes, so he ran Eastman Chemical. He was the president of it, which was a large employer in East Texas. And yep. He goes, son, we're going to change that. So from 6 a.m. to roughly 6 p.m., I worked unloading mineral wool from 18 wheelers in the summer. And wow. then I took a shower at work and went to the pharmacy. And worked there until about 10, 11 at Drug Emporium. Uh, it was owned by one of the elders at our church. And I would do that five, six days a week and made it where I realized I really didn't want to do that, at least the mineral <laughs> wool unloading, um, and developed a more solid work ethic uh, pursuant to that. And then went to pharmacy school, um, got out. Uh, it, we were the last year that could choose between having a bachelor's degree or a PharmD. And so U of H, it was the very last year, and everybody, they're like, I said, what did you do? And everybody was picking. All my peer group picked PharmD, and I, they got to me, and like, Richie, what do you do? I was like, so what 
happens if they get, well, you get called doctor. So do I really know that much more? Do I get paid more? Is there any, you know, <laughs> functional thing other than me called doctor? Like, well, no, I was like, then I'm good. I'm, I'd like to get out, please. And so <laughs> yeah. I got my bachelor's and moved along. Uh, you know, I thought uh, working Walmart, this, that, and the other was probably going to be the path. I thought I'd move up to district manager. But at first I thought, you know, okay, my, and my wife knew that, hey, we were going to going to work and it was going to be every other weekend and there was going to be night times. And, you know, God just had a different path. Uh, I worked for a guy fresh out of school that was independent. Um, we attempted to determine what the value of the one pharmacy had probably, I think a dozen and a half, two dozen at the time, uh, discussed, you know, the acquisition of his, we couldn't come to a agreement on that one. It was, I've never been anything but pick. And so the day I got my pharmacy license, we did a pharmacist in charge change. And so I've uh, only been picked since then for his and then opened my own December of 99, um, filled 100 and change our first day. And it's I had worked. My schedule had been 13 on one off uh, oh, off wow. every other Sunday. And so that was my schedule for quite some time. And in the Montgomery area, you know, the the clean cut, short hair, um, overweight Caucasian pharmacist does well. <laughs> and so it was, it, it, it just, it, it was Montgomery and, and people came in and you knew everybody by name and you yep. knew everything about them. Uh, as time went on, you know, we became a very, very, I mean, it was a very bustling retail side and became more of a hybrid store. So compounding plus everything else that we did. And we saw Walmart come in and they mm -hmm. came in the corner, literally um, Tom Brady could hit it with football. I couldn't, but it was close. Yeah. And as we looked at it, I'm like, okay, that's good because they're going to take some of the business from the retail. We can continue in this hybrid model, expand our compounding. They didn't take any of the retail business. It grew 30% wow. because people would go and they would drop off their prescriptions and then go to Walmart to do their shopping, come back. And so we were quickly becoming adequate at everything mm -hmm. and great at nothing. And so you had a decision to make. So we sold the retail side to CVS, maintained the compounding specialty in 2008 specialty doesn't mean what it does today. Today, right. Right. you know, it, it, it's a whole lot of different things, limited distribution networks, this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. Then it would have been stuff that might confuse a pharmacist at a big box store. Yeah. And so along that time period, we started through a separate company, uh, patenting a lot of the different approaches, uh, really didn't know what would happen with that. Uh, that could either be in the U.S. Patent Trademark Office. It, it just fascinates me. You can patent things that are obviously new and different compounded medications, specific mm -hmm. formulas or the like. But you also could go through a venue of if Bill is out there and he's the investigator, they look at and go, Mr. Ray, is this something that someone skilled in the art of pharmacy would go, this is intuitive? Or can you have a commercially available medication used in a new and unique way? For example, um, we have done some studies and different things associated with levofloxacin and oral solution applied to the skin. Works great to treat infections topically. Um, that's not intuitive. We have a patent associated with that. Interesting. Itraconazole nice. oral solution um, intended to take orally. You have to worry about liver function tests, a host of different things. Guess what? It works phenomenally on a host of different fungi used topically. Again, not intuitive. Huh. And so at the time, it was... I thought that we were really good at pharmacy. We were a beneficiary of a favorable work environment. Um, it was, you know, you hit submit. It was a Jerry Maguire moment. You had me at hello. Claims went through. Right. Uh, you didn't you just, you just did. And as time went on, we recognized that fact. Um, fast forward today, we've got about 55, 55 issued patents around a host of different things. Wow. Probably will double. Uh, and those next are year. all medication patents. Yes, correct. Okay. And, and so what we found at the time, like I said, it, it's truly a God thing because we really didn't see the path for CMPD or licensing side at the time. Again, defensive posturing, we allocated some of the cash there. I thought it was something where maybe, okay, kind of IBM and Apple, they say, hey, we have overlap. Let's just agree mm -hmm. that I'm going to violate some of your patents. You're going to violate some of mine. I thought maybe there's some day on some of the things we do that someone might want to commercialize it. Right. Yeah. And a Tev or someone else comes along and go, hey, I'd like a quarter a tube or a, a buck a bottle of what you sell. And, and maybe there's some aspects there. Well, as time went on, we started being introduced to 
different pharmacies around the U.S. And I had made a conscious decision of we were going to serve Texas. Uh, you know, the governor comes here. The attorney general comes here. I know everybody. Texas is not wow. small. It's not like we're in Montana. Mm-hmm. And so we've got a lot of people. And a lot of my peer group had been regional players, this, that, and the other. Um, that sounded attractive to a time. We actually jumped for a short period of time, about six months, to New York, New Jersey, year probably a decade plus ago when regulations weren't as, as challenging. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, my OCD was going nuts because I don't know their board. I don't know their governor. I didn't know everybody. So it was a brief dalliance. Right. Uh, we, we decided to stay in Texas, and but we knew that if – Marsh is in New Jersey, Bill's in Louisiana, this person's in Colorado, this person's in California. The things we do that are focused predominantly on anti-infective, guess what? There's people there that need those anti-infective approaches that have exhausted commercially available medications, mm-hmm. use consistent with their labeling, and need something that says this. there's science behind it, there's literature behind it, you need to effectuate a patient change. Mm-hmm. And so through that, CMPD was born now. We licensed a couple hundred pharmacies across the U.S. and growing. Um, Up until the last PDS event last year, uh, it was more of a maybe kind of like Fight Club. Maybe you're not old enough to remember that movie, but the virtual Fight Club, you don't talk about Fight Club. We don't talk about Fight Club. Most of the people we licensed were um, by invitation only. And now PDS maybe was our coming out party. Okay. Nice. Um, From... From there, you know, we just I, I was able to get on main stage and kind of tell our story of what we do. Um, Elaine Ladd, who is the chief pharmacy yes. officer yeah, for like PDS, uh, mm-hmm. she she had been a previous licensee. And so she had oh. owned a pharmacy in her previous life. And we worked together. Uh, Laura Faffenberger that works there as well. Previous licensee. And so we just set up there kind of like a coffee talk and kind of talked about what we did and said, you know, independent pharmacy can be fun. And you can have relationships with payers that are not adversarial. Uh, you know, I'm one of the few pharmacists that still gets the opportunity to go to DOD. I meet with them usually a time or two a year and mm-hmm. go to Falls Church and we talk about things and we talk about compounding and we talk about different things and, you know, where they have some potential exposure. And I sat in front of that stage in front of those different people and said, my presentation, what I would talk about does not change if DOD and DOJ and friends from the FBI and otherwise that are sitting in the front row, you know, I'm me the same way now as if it's just one-on-one to a pharmacist. It doesn't mm-hmm. change. That message, it's easy to remember the truth when you don't try to have versions of the truth. You just yeah. go, this is my story. And regardless of the audience. All right. All right. So, so let me try to recap. I talked a little much. Sorry. No, no. I, I, I just trying to make sure I understand it. So what you're patenting is the use of drugs in a different way. Uh, drugs that are probably generic today, right? Correct, correct. So using them in a different way. Now, and those are OTC or some prescription drugs? Prescription drugs predominantly. Um, we have Basagel, which is a water washable ointment that's over the counter. It's actually Basagel.com. It is made by PCCA. It's over the counter. Um, it is only sold to pharmacies that are approved by CMPD. And so there are some things that maybe drift into that. It is a great adhesive from a pharmacist standpoint. One of the biggest challenges that any prescriber has is if we're treating an infection topically, you're really pretty rate limited. Uh, and obviously I drift kind of from the business side to mm-hmm. entrepreneurial side mm-hmm. to clinical side. So I kind of dabble okay. in all those. So if I'm tr- if I'm treating an infection I've got mupirocin 2% cream or ointment. I've got genomycin cream or ointment. I've got very few things to use topically. Bastogel being a water washable ointment can be combined with any type of powder, whether that be an injectable, that be a dry powder capsule, whether that be commercially available or compounded, mixed together and applied to the skin, but easy to wash off. And so it provides a prescriber the flexibility to say, I can provide any type of anti-infective to the skin. Great aspects for anti-infective, given the fact that, you know, our our patient population, you know, um, America is becoming more and more morbidly obese. Uh, Blood flow to the extremities Mm -hmm. uh, continues to be an issue, especially with weight increasing. And so there's so much frustration on the prescriber side of, you know, I know this infection that's on the foot 
Richie has it on its foot. Blood flow is not getting there. I know it's sensitive to this. I can't pump him full of the IV because it's not effectuating a change. Yep. Well, can't I just apply it to the skin? And so one of the things we like to do is work with other pharmacies and these basically teach them and say, hey, these are some different things that we have that are patented. There's a licensing fee associated with it. It's not onerous. It's a single digit percentage. You know, I think that I'd heard the analogy before on somebody that was teaching me on licensing and and patents. And he goes, he goes, don't be Mickey. And I was like, no idea what that means. He goes, <laughs> Walt, Dis- Walt Disney World says, I'm going to take 22% off the top line. You want to put Mickey on your product? He goes, don't be Mickey. He goes, at 22%, people are going to look and go, I need to figure out a way to design around patents issued or pending. Right. He said, be it a single digit, be something where you can provide a, Lord willing, 50, 60, even 70% gross margin to the licensee and have something where they go, okay, I'm 50, 60, 70% margin generally blended, probably 65, at least in the world that I operate in. And if Jeff looked at that and go, okay, it's a 65% gross margin. I'm paying 8% off top line. Last time I checked, 65 minus 8 is still 57. Yep. And that's reasonable. And this is mostly cash? Is it it cash um, or is insurance Uh, cover it? Insurance billing, all sorts. Okay. And so when I take a drug and I say this drug is going to be used in a different way, does the FDA have a have a role in that? No. Really? You're going to have a you're going to have an issue where FDA obviously goes to we got some cer- certain patents around tobramycin 300 milligram per 5, which is indicated per its labeling for pseudomonas infection, for bronchiectasis, for different types of infections in the lungs. But we have some patents around it being used in a topical format, which had never really truly been done before. But to me, it seems intuitive mm-hmm. that if I've got a patient that has pain on legs, and we had a patient of this years ago, significant pain, pseudomonas on legs that was identified by the uh, treating doctor, but significant pain, very combative patient. And so that problem was presented to the pharmacy I have. And we had our result was suggestion of tobramycin 300 per 5 liquid, a compounded capsule of lidocaine HCL 20 milligram. At the time of administration, patient mixes the two and, and sprays it on the skin. The caregiver does. Eradication of the infection within about 30 days. Uh, patient was compliant because of the fact that it provided pain relief. Prescriber was tickled pink because of the fact that the tobramycin was eradicating the pseudomonas. Now, to me, it seems intuitive that Mm -hmm. in the lungs, if I'm treating pseudomonas in the lungs and it's iceberg floating in, basically filling up lungs in a CF patient, and you fill that cavern with tobramycin, it hits the outside of the pseudomonas kind of iceberg, and those cells die, and they go to the inside of the cilia in the lungs, and the little hands just hand it out, and you cough it out. What would make sense to me, you're still bug drug collide, bug dies. I Mm -hmm. gain weight eating chocolate cake, not looking at it from a distance. Mm-hmm. You get drunk from drinking vodka, not looking at a bottle. So how do you make that same approach of, let's just make these two interact. And I've got a bug and I've got a drug and let's make them collide mm-hmm. and let's be good stewards of antibiotic stewardship. Let's use drugs that have been around for 20, 30 years. So even if a prescriber goes, you know, topical therapy, I want to be a good steward of antibiotic stewardship. This is perfect. I'm reaching for drugs that have been around decades. So at its core to me, that is antibiotic stewardship. So you're using these compound, these drugs, these compounds for different, I mean, have you shared the formulas um, with like Medisca or PCCA? PCCA has some of the different formulas. I think that right now I would like to have, CMPD doesn't have a natural predator. Mm-hmm. And there's some people out there that may think, well, this is a, a PCCA offering. Yes, PCCA is what you know I use the pharmacy I have. Right. But the formula and the approach is associated with it. It ain't rocket science. I mean, I've got this bulk chemical and this dry powder. You know, it's super simple compounds. They're dry powder. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have no issue sharing those broadly. All of our licensees get all the different formulas. It's a subset that yes, is on PCCA's website that only is accessible to CMPD, but mm-hmm. there's many of those that take that and go, okay, here's the different ones, and I'm going to, I, I like Medisca's drugs. And so they use those. 
Yep. So it's it's completely open. I think the last PDS event, there's a lot of a miscommunication about what CMPD does um, okay. or does not do. And I think that's the natural part in everybody's mind of if I know a little bit about you and I don't know enough, my mind fills the void. Yep. And right. you fill in the blanks, make up your own and, story. And I may chase a rabbit trail and where I end up about you is not factually correct. And so I'd gone up to Mediska at the PDS event um, or otherwise go, hey, a lot of our licensees usually, this is not, you don't need to be concerned with us. You know, now shifting to Pioneer, you know, we've been on QS1 DOS version up until about three months ago. Oh, wow. We went to Pioneer. Oh, yeah. We were old school, the OGs way back there. And so um, just our our staff loves Pioneer. Uh, We had... I think from from Thomas, one of your uh, great, great guy, Um, I brought him chocolate milk most mornings because that's what he wanted after he worked. I was like, sure. And (laughs) he was here literally a month um, because we paid an extra amount. I was like, hey, you know, we'd like to have three here for a week. We'd like to have two here for the entire month. And some of your your staff even said probably overkill. I'm like, I kind of like overkill and it makes it where our staff Mm -hmm. feel supported. but what we want to do is some of the different models ranging from peg pricing to how do you do this to, quite frankly, how do you report licensed drug products? To me, there's so many different things that I think working with Pioneer say, hey, this is what we're kind of wanting to get to. Or can we take modules that are at Richie's where if Bill has a pharmacy in Georgia, instead of reinventing the wheel, can you go, OK, these CMPD models are approved that literally somebody at Pioneer would have to go, Richie, is Bill a licensee? Yes, they are. Give it to them. And that there are many, many models that we have at Richie's that could just be deployed where they're not having to redo everything. And that's one of the things, quite frankly, that's attractive to me about Pioneer. So so when you say models, what are you talking about? You're talking about the... Um you're talking about how you apply the drugs. Are you talking about a different it, kind of model or, no, or like it, a workflow model? It would be model? actually things that, that fit squarely in your confines, meaning, hey, all of our formulas are uploaded. If Jeff's a new licensee, hey, what are all the different formulas? I see these. How do I bill them? To dump them into that pharmacy system, operating system easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, to say, hey, here's some different reporting. Here's how to price different things. You know, we don't I, I'm not a fan of, and many pharmacies have always done that, you know, AWP plus $10 plus that and this, is that, and the other. We try to make it sustainable. Uh, okay. There's many of the different things that we do, compound or commercially available, that our usual and customary is AWP minus 60%, 70%. Because we're trying to not only have a clear path of, hey, prescriber, here's documentation associated with its usage. It's not anecdotal. The information is compelling. But also, I know that if you've got a payer out there, if you and I are going to eat dinner and you say it's on you, guess whose opinion matters more on where we eat? Right. Yours. And mm-hmm. so to me, I view uh, Caremark, Express Scripts, Optum, Humana, all the different ones, they're, they're a customer to us. They need to feel we add value. And so all this data to support the usage of those medications needs to be there. And one of the things I think is useful is being able to have the conversation of you go, I'm not I'm not even asking for your allowable. You'd pay me substantially more than I'm asking in many situations. I'm good with what I've got. Hmm. Interesting. So you have a relationship. Do you talk regularly with PBMs and do you have a do? Yes. Yes. We've, we've worked on that for, for 15 years. We had had one PBM um, down and it was, it was one of those, I wouldn't say YOLO moment, but it was a defining moment for the business that we had had all sorts of different payers down and had a gentleman down. He had brought a team and it was one of those meetings that you go into and it's it's palpable tension. You don't understand why, because he was coming at my request. I want to give a tour. I want to talk about different things. And this particular payer um, I led with, I was like, I invited you. And it's just it's it's palpable. And I don't know why. And the gentleman about he goes, I'll tell you, he goes. You're in the top X number of pharmacies that bill us annually. And he goes, there's some really, 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 really bad guys in that group. And we know you invite us, but we came because we want to determine if you're a really, really bad guy or not. Interesting. That's a very transparent answer. And so we spent the rest of the time talking about 
We spent some of it talking about our Christianity. We started talking about business. We started talking about different things. And his statement, he goes, Richie, you've not you've done a good job in pharmacy. You've done a poor job in educating payers on your value add. People in fraud, waste, and abuse, and this, that, and the other need to know more about mm-hmm. who you are and what you stand for. And so there's a lot of things that I put forward to payers that some of my peers wouldn't like. You know, I think it's stupid um, that there would ever be a prenatal vitamin or equivalency thereof that's a thousand bucks. Right. Um, so some of the different things that PDS put forward, and I talked about that on the main stage of, you know, ketoprofen is a pharmacist that used to be a Rudis KT back in the day, and it was 75 milligram tablet, and it cost me a hundred dollars a bottle. Mm-hmm. That there's a new 25 milligram that comes out that's three thousand dollar AWP or some ungodly number. I those have never been dispensed here, mm-hmm. and so I believe that now the other co- side of the coin is, and I agree that if a pharmacist goes, well, if the payer, the plan sponsor elects to cover that, isn't it their prerogative? I agree. That is their prerogative. But if I go, I want Richie's to be looked to and viewed positively by payers, I think putting up guardrails around, these are some things we will do. These are some things we won't, regardless of whether you'll pay for it or not, is really irrelevant to me Mm -hmm. because it needs to make sense to me. Yeah. And if it doesn't make sense and it just goes, does it click the box of ethically strong, clinically strong, and fiscally strong? I would like to make some money at what I do. I make no doubt about it. But if I go, I make some money and ethical, clinical, eh, that's not me. Yep. And there's a lot of pharmacies out there, unfortunately, that go, if I make a buck and it's not illegal, I'll do it. And that's – we have yeah, just had and, a higher – And they threshold. rationalize. They're like, well, they're yeah. stealing from me over here. So if I can legally steal from him over here, you know, they, everybody, you know, who, whoever has decided to take something away from somebody else or to do something gray rationalizes with himself when they start right. doing it. And then it just right. becomes normal. Um, you almost wish that the whole relationship could have a reset, you know, because the PBM's doing the same thing. Well, they're stealing from me over here, so I'm going to steal from them over here. Right. You, you know, well, they're overcharging me over here, so I'm going to cut back wherever I can. They're getting all these rebates, you know, that they're not counting, and, and so we're going to throw in some DR fees, and we're going to keep, you know, we're keep cranking it down until they, you know, if, 20, if 10% of them don't go out of business, we're not charging low enough, you know, these kind of things, and and I like that you're trying to talk to them and, and try to try to reset. Now, as you're talking to PBMs, are, are, are you talking to them as a group so that you've got 100 licensed pharmacies? Are you, are you talking about kind of those 100 when you're talking to the PBMs? Or are you, are you talking about your Richie's specialty pharmacy? I talk about me, and then we talk about the licensing side as well. You know, I don't control any of these pharmacies. They right. can't. They don't have to listen to me. It's a suggestion. Now, we do have – we've developed a business ethics addendum, and okay. it is multifaceted. It says a pharmacy commits to – if you've got a sales division, they're W-2. You will not arbitrarily waive someone's copay without a economic assistance program looking at their financials, looking at whether this patient truly is in financial need. Kind of same thing that Obamacare, when it came out – you know, they they set up the guidelines of if somebody's within 400 percent of the poverty level, we, the federal government, are going to assist them in their premium. And I set up a program at Richie's that reflected that because I'm like, you know, I, I don't want to set up a new one. We had worked with the payers over the years to get what we had done at first. I shared it with them. Mm-hmm. I said, hey, this makes sense. I don't want to. I'm not trying to waive a five dollar copay for somebody that could buy me multiple times over. They're just tight. Mm-hmm. But I do believe there should be a situation where if somebody is within 110% of the poverty level, they're just not quite poor enough to get Medicaid coverage in Texas. But Missouri and some of these other states would give them Medicaid coverage, Medicaid being a state mm-hmm. call. And red states typically are not as right. liberal application with those as blue states. But if somebody goes, they really truly need help, that I could waive a copay. And we have a policy and procedure about that, shared it with the payers. Fast forward to today, they actually have that in the vast majority of provider manual language associated with what you need to have to legitimately do that. And we were involved in that conversation. So you said you spoke at PDS. Are you also going to be taking your conversation um, to NCPA this fall? You know, I've not. um, I've talked with different ones. It's 
I don't get out much. So that was our first big coming out. I think mm-hmm. right now, um, PDS is coming. I would like to be at Pioneers yep. uh, next year. Uh, that would be something that I would like to do. I think that the other ones were kind of refining our processes mm-hmm. a bit. Um, I've heard from some of the different ones that there's some much larger ones, and I don't know the the response necessarily I'd get. I like the the groundswell that's mm. coming because there's a lot of people at well at PDS or otherwise. You know, mm-hmm. I spoke against the some of the different vitamins and stuff were PDS were versions that people thought well these are PDS drugs. Right. Well, they weren't PDS drugs. Now maybe mm. that they were sponsors that yeah. were at PDS and they talked. Mm-hmm. but they weren't PDS drugs. And so I think that you're really just trying to cobble together all the different people within the confines of the healthcare system to make sure they realize, hey, there's a path to work together, but it has to be built on trust and some degree of transparency. Mm-hmm. And we can get back there. We've we've lost our way to a degree and they don't need to have it where independent pharmacy is, that there's an asterisk, that there's these you know bright lights that go up and go, hey, we're concerned. Right. Yeah. So, so explain to me why I, I didn't catch that on the why not NCPA. I'm just not ready yet. You're not ready yet. He said he's yeah. still working yeah. on it. He still yeah. has some things to to right. make to, it to tweak. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're still trying to. So, so us saying, hey, we're gonna try to help you in this six thousand pioneer base. You're not ready for that. You're you're kind of like. Oh, I, I, I'm ready for that. I think the referrals. Uh, the referrals are coming and our aspect, if Jeff becomes a licensee, you get access to varying levels, depending where you're at, of our website. And you've got tons of recorded webinars on tons of different topics, mm-hmm. tons of different models that that we do. And so you're able to, it's kind of Netflix on demand meets training. Yeah. And so it, you can do that anytime you want to. You have our support associated with those. I think at this point, there's so much there's so many principles that had multiple pharmacies or otherwise uh, that were getting that traction. And so I think part of ours is we're the best place to go. Are there decision makers at these events? Are there different ones? And it's interesting that from talking to wholesalers and manufacturers, they, they like being at PDS's event. They think that that is a buyer's event. And those decision makers, yep. but Pioneer Pioneer ranks very high. Uh, people say now they a lot of them say some of these larger NCPA and other ones mm-hmm. we have we need to go to there. Ex- you're expected to be there. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's the big one. But there's many people, at least in my limited experience of asking those, that those are maybe the expectations there, but maybe increased business for their business doesn't really happen at those events to the same extent that it does at some of these others. I don't know if that's true or not. That's just what I've been told. Well, some of our like, like, it's called luminaries, like Joe Moose or Amina or Bob Lomanak. Do you know those people? Those are people that in circles that you run in. No, yeah, it'd be very interesting. Eric Larson, um, Ben Jolly, yeah, Mike Mutalovich, yeah. It'd be very interesting to kind of put those. You know, they, they say about our, our show, um, or Michael Michael Munez. Yep. They're in South Um, Texas. Be very interested to try to put together some little type of, uh, maybe just a, maybe just a team's meeting or something like that. Cause I'd be very interested to see what those guys thought. And cause they're always, they're all those are trying to think about new, new ways and, and new things. And, but, but I don't get, so you talk about, Hey, I went to New York and I'm talking to this guy and then you're like, I don't get out much. So what's the, sounds like you get, you sounds like you're getting out a lot. (laughs) Yes. Well, no, I mean, I went to, let's see, go to PDS event. I go to payers, um, at the request of them. So that'll usually take 24 to 48 hours, um, going to different events as far as, Went to PCCA's event last year and PDS's. Those are the only two shows gotcha. I've ever gone to. And up until then, and and quite frankly, the last the last two years, COVID. I mean, doing COVID vaccines yep. and testing yeah. was the dominant thing of all these different pharmacies. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you have the chance, and we'd love to host you at the pharmacy to see it. We are a very strategically, inconveniently located retail mm-hmm. pharmacy. We now are halfway between Montgomery and Conroe. I've got about eight acres. It used to be a shooting range. 
Um, the pharmacy was an old restaurant. We gutted it, made it a pharmacy. It's got a gate up around it. It doesn't look that inviting. It looks a little snotty, but we're very nice <laughs> people and very inviting. Um, but it's strategically made where if Susie wants us to serve her as a patient, she knows we can do it via mail. The challenging part, if you walk in and you don't see anybody else in our lobby, which is nice, but small, mm -hmm. the natural part of a retail patient, because we, in my past, you know, we filled six, seven, 800 prescriptions a day. I know what that looks like. Right. If you don't have anybody waiting in that room and it takes five minutes, the natural person retail wise is going to scratch their head and go, I don't, I don't understand. Let's take mm -hmm. it so long. Not realizing that our pharmacists are counseling people. And sometimes that's anywhere from, it can be five minutes, rub it where it hurts. That's not a hard counsel to, we've got an infection. We're trying to prevent you from losing a limb. And some of those take 30 minutes. Yeah. And, and you and counsel so, in 170 languages? So we told. have people that speak Spanish as well as Vietnamese and a couple of others. Okay. Um, our interpretation service, we use the same one Medicare does. Gotcha. And that, and that will go to any of the different ones. They can, I don't really know how they do it. I think they charge us like, depending on the language, anywhere up to $3.99 a minute. Yeah, you um, get somebody else to get really a strange you, ones. Yeah. You get an um, interpreter on the phone. Mm, mm -hmm. Gotcha. So, so uh, most of your pharmacy today is mail order or delivery? Is that? I would say 90 plus percent of what we do, we're serving the patient via mail. Via Correct. mail. Okay. What is So So if the model's mail across the country, do you want 10,000 pharmacies licenses and, do, and doing it? Is it? You know, is it, it you serve that from a smaller number of pharmacies? There are some incredibly successful licensees that go, I, I don't mail and I don't have an outside sales division, but I am well known. This is a third, fourth generation pharmacy. I am known in my area. And we just bring to them, hey, these are the different patent processes as well as it's not every single thing that I teach, Jeff, there's a licensing fee too. Some things are just, hey, this is what we found out intuitively. Right. And these are some different things that we do because we recognize that somebody needs to see, especially if I rise up on their P&L and I mm -hmm. become a major line item of what they're paying, they need to see value associated with what we do. Yep. And so that is our big thing is we want to add value. And if we can help you serve that prescriber, serve that patient more effectively, effectuate a change in the outcome, take people that, you know, I like and I think from top conversations with payers and why we are so enamored with anti-infective, their actuaries don't really get as nervous about that. A couple different reasons. If Richie is going to potentially get an amputation above the knee, below the knee, you're talking a quarter million dollars. You're talking about ongoing right. probably $100,000 a year. So their actuary's tolerance of maybe a higher claim from me for 30 to 60 days is much, much greater. From the actuary standpoint, it is more problematic if Richie goes on a medication that is filled every single month, that's maintenance, that is just kicking the can down the curb. Mm. That right. is more frustrating too because there's not a clear line of sight to the end right. of it. Yeah. Your and so treatments I, I, are I, I like infections because clearer, usually yep. by the time people get to us, they've exhausted all the other things. There's not, well, have you tried? They've already tried everything. Very now, you also offer, I think you're the first independent pharmacy I've ran across, you actually offer a 24-hour service to your patients. Can you explain that, how that works? I mean, ours is just like for it to be ACHC, mail order, PCAB accredited, and things of that nature, mm -hmm. you've got to have that 24-hour availability for calls, for any of those different things. Obviously, there would be an aspect to come if, up here if regularly needed, but usually that availability for those 24 hours, ACHC and PCAB in particular, require that for their mail order certification. So there's probably a larger and larger number of those that are probably out there as they go through they that. They just don't you know, publicize not, it like you do. Right. We're not, you know, we're not URAC. Um, there's a lot of our peers that are. I think that if you were trying to really get into the specialty space or otherwise, mm -hmm. that URAC is necessary. In my world and what we do, it's not. Yeah. Well, it looks like Richie found his work ethic. Yes. Um, but but <laughs> what do the Rays do for fun? Y'all... Uh, been on vacation you know, lately or well they're, they're we do i mean we we have Lake not uh, we need to get the boys passports uh so okay. we can go abroad i think okay. the we've tried to set it up where we've always taken a couple weeks off in the summertime to to go different places because you're hopeful that your kids will go hey you know we still like to go with mom and dad 
as you go to different ones. We've we met some incredible people and pharmacists all around the world. I mean, mm-hmm. from Italy to a pharmacist I know in Jordan to anywhere all throughout Europe. Um, it's just, it, there are people that are just fascinating all over the place. And it's, you know, the, the listserv that's, that's online, the different pharmacists talk through. Have you ever been to FEP? I've not. So that one is definitely an interesting to go to. It's Federation of Independent Pharmacy and they, it's, it's all, it's, it's all countries coming together to talk about pharmacy. And you have different presentations, different white papers kind of presented from different yeah, countries. It is super stuff interesting. That they're doing. Um, this cool. year, this year is supposed to be in Spain um, in September. Yeah. I'm sure my wife would love that. Because she yeah. likes Spain. Do y'all like Spain? We're headed to uh, Madrid Barcelona. and Barcelona yep. in about a month. <laughs> three weeks. Oh, sorry, two three weeks. weeks. Two, three weeks. Oh, it's it's gorgeous over there. I think Italy is my wife's favorite. I, it's hard to it's hard to counter that. Italy is just beautiful. It is really, yeah. My daughter's in Italy right now for a wedding. That that one's on my bucket list. But yeah, if, I mean, with the way that your your passion, you would definitely probably take away a lot from FIP. So I it was, was interesting. Like, yeah, it was yeah. interesting. It was interesting, especially if now, now do you do any, um, is there any international possibility for what, what you're doing or, or did you patent it? Did you do uh, international patents as well as us? So as you get a U.S. patent, you can file it there too. Um, okay. it's interesting that if it passes the U S Europe typically, and I'm sure it's a little bit more, probably our attorneys would go, you're simplifying it a bit. But really, they just go, hey, if they said yes to it, we'll say yes to it. I just need some money. Um, and so you can file it that way. So there are some opportunities there. You know, we, we've explored. We haven't done it yet. Um, I annoyed one pharmacist that in Jordan, it was a couple of years ago, that we were talking through different licensing aspects. And his wife had answered the phone, and she was frustrated. And I was like, why is she frustrated? He goes, you realize it's 2 a.m. and you keep calling. I was like. I'm so sorry. And so I didn't really, wasn't thinking through the, the time change associated with those, wow. but it's interesting that, yeah, I mean, we serve the, we serve the Royal family uh, for different countries at different times. And they said, we know, can you ship it here? Can you do this? I was like, no, you know, these are different things. I can't get it through customs. And then one of the princesses, she's through her interpreter goes, I am customs. I was like, oh, well, that's, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. So okay. We'll do that. <laughs> there's some, there's some different things, you know, we explored, had done it. Um, do you have a pharmacy in Dubai that is a licensee? And then how is that structured? Cause it's yep. somebody local has to loan, own X percent. So there's, mm-hmm. I think for us, if you look at, I have patents issued and pending around treating and infections that, that knows no geographical boundary. Right. That yeah. doesn't stop right. at the U S that doesn't, that goes everywhere because yeah. everybody's dealing with it. Yeah. I think about so, Germany, um, where it's all independence and you have a lot of compounding. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I think about Australia. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Australia. Would be, would both of those markets would be really good. I'm sure you've mm-hmm. thought about the same thing. What's your favorite place to travel? Favorite place? I, you know, I really like, um, I like London. I, I like Italy. Uh, we've been to up in the south port of Austria. Austria is beautiful. Um, I want to take a trip to some of the different charities and gym foundation, different ones we support that's in Uganda. Obviously it'd be a different type of experience. Yeah. Uh, but there's some different things that we do there. Um, I need to get out more for those different things mm-hmm. th- than I probably have. Uh, I think it probably would give me a better grounding at times, um, than perhaps I currently have, uh, other beautiful places. Germany's great. I've just been through, uh, briefly. My daughter did study abroad, uh, there. Oh, wow. Um, Portugal's beautiful. So there's there's so many. It's just mm-hmm. over there. It's just fascinating. Greece is amazing. Greece is on my list too. Italy and yeah. Greece are my two big ones right now. So if, if people are watching the podcast, I think we have about 4,000 listeners a month and mm-hmm. are interested in learning more about what you're doing and becoming a licensee, a licensee how do they do that? Uh, a couple different ways. You know, you could go to cmpdlicensing.com and there's an easy get started or be contacted but they can even just as simply email me of Richie at cmpdlicensing.com. Either way. I mean, heck, they could even text because I think for us, you know, you're, you're dispelling some, some thought processes because some mm-hmm. people go, well, if, a, if this pharmacy was successful for this period of time, they must have done. And there's a short list of uh, high price vitamins or this, that, and they're like, I didn't do any of those. Mm-hmm. Well, they must be on a negative list from payers. Well, no, because, 
we even go out to eat with these people afterward. And guess what? They wouldn't go out to eat with me and have the risk of a picture being taken if they thought I was bad. And so there's so many different things. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it is, I hope on this is to dispel any of those different thought processes associated mm -hmm. with it or the fact, Hey, Richie wants to sue everybody. No, I, I would like to work with more people because most of what we do, most pharmacists out there go, never done that, never thought about doing that. Mm -hmm. And so right. you're not trying to take a licensing fee on something they already do necessarily. Now, sometimes people may wander into areas where you go, I do have patents in that and, and you weren't aware of that. Mm -hmm. um, to this juncture, we haven't really done much enforcement on it. Uh, I think that as we go forward, yeah, there's so much value CMPD brings yep. that and majority of the time it's stuff that you, the pharmacist looks at and go, never done that. Hmm. So I, I think even the conversation, somebody has a conversation says, yes, they just need to have the conversation with us. Yeah. What's super interesting. I definitely want to try to put together a little summit of people we know and, and uh, kind of put y'all together and see if we can't learn more and expand that quicker. Yeah, um, and, and broaden that conversation. Think that would be Absolutely. Fun. So, um, well, I think we've um, hit our hour. Yeah, so. no, I appreciate the time. It was it was easy. It was conversational. Uh, hopefully, you see, uh, you don't feel like after you get off that you feel like, well, that was a waste of an hour. No, no, no super gosh, no, no, super interesting. And and I think having you as a speaker at Catalyst Connect would definitely be worth the while. Well, and to, as a booth, yeah. Yeah. We definitely have a, a large collection mm -hmm. of entrepreneurial stuff. And, and interesting exploring what um, what your ideas are about uh, some of the ways, um, you know, maybe for a licensee being able to, to save and load their formulas and things like yeah. that. So the ideas that you're talking about, I'd like to touch base with you uh, in the next week or so. We're about mm -hmm. to head to yeah. NACDS, but we can get together the next week or Next, next, probably the next 30 days and try to, to, that would be great. So many other licensees use Pioneer and have used it forever. And they keep asking, can I get the formulas through this? Can I get through this? It's like, calm down. We've only been on it 90 days. Right. So I'm trying to right. get everything, but there's so many things that they would like. And I mean, pharmacists are busy. Yep. And yeah, I want to make whatever it easy. we can do to add value to them and make it easier for them. And quite frankly, you know, the Pioneer system has so many tools that we haven't unlocked. Yep. Um, well, you'll I'm, definitely I'm learn how to unlock a lot of those tools at Catalyst Connect. So, yeah. well, and he yeah. had a he, he paid for a month of, of uh, yeah. uh, smart people too. So no mm -hmm. wonder they're doing well. But all right, well, it was, it was nice meet. It was great meeting you. Thank you so much and, for joining uh, us. Look look forward to the ongoing relationship. Mm -hmm. Sounds great. Y'all be careful. All right, all right. safe travels. Bye. Right, Thank bye. you, Richie. Bye. 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 Thank you for watching the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more pharmacy professionals like you.